Ephesians 5. I'm going to begin reading in verse 18 down through verse 21. As we continue working our way through the book of Ephesians, through the preaching of God's word, we come to these words from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians and to us. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And Father, we do ask that you would fill us with your spirit right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our focus uh, this morning in the few minutes we have for the ministry of the word is going to be on these few verses of Ephesians 5, a, a passage that frankly is a whole lot more enjoyable to preach than the one I preached from a couple of weeks ago in the first uh, 14 verses of this chapter. We come this morning to an imperative. The main imperative in this text is be filled with the Spirit. And as, as we come to this imperative, we're reminded that however much good, however much grace we have already experienced in our lives, God intends for there to be more. This is an imperative that is loaded up with promise and with possibilities. If God says to us, be filled with the Spirit, it implies that there is the possibility of such filling. It implies, it suggests to us that there is a promise attached to the imperative. I don't know about you, but until very recently in my old age, I've always been a smorgasbord kind of guy. Do I have an amen for that? Any, any others in the room? Yes. I've always loved it when I, when I walk into a room and the amount of food that is in that room says to me, be filled. Because you've got to understand, I have, I have some kind of weird, wacky physical trait, and that is I, I am never full. I am always hungry. At the end of every meal, I am still hungry. You've heard of a bottomless pit. I have a bottomless and sideless pit. It is this vast chasm that never gets full. So in those rare moments where I do the smorgasbord deal and I walk in, I say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let loose here. Or back in the day when mom and dad, my mom and dad would once in a while take us out uh, to, to a smorgasbord. Dad, dad's way of introducing it was he would just say to us, now, eat up. And just eat up. Be filled with food. And then and the nice thing about a smorgasbord is that that imperative, one of the happiest imperatives I ever got from my dad, eat up, you know, that imperative was attached to promise and possibility. 
Because the food was there to fill. And so when God says to us, be filled with the Spirit, when He commands us to be filled with the Spirit, it, it presupposes, it assumes a promise. We are told to be filled with the Spirit precisely because there is such an experience as being filled with the Spirit that God wants us to have. This excites me. I see in this statement and in this imperative a promise of greater joy, greater wonder, greater anticipation of more from the hand of God. No wonder. Is that how you do your life? It's from the start. Do, do you do your life, do I do my life with an anticipation of more from God? Or, or have I interpreted the Christian life as something static, something normal, something that flatlines, something that really doesn't go up, but it just is, it's here, kind of in the rhythm, kind of in the, in the ordinary, kind of in the regular. Now, don't get me wrong, there is something wonderful about the rhythm and the ordinary and the regular of life. And in fact, I think that's where the deepest maturity comes. That's where endurance comes in taking the next step and just being faithful. We don't want to become people who are always looking for the sensational. We don't want to become Christians who are dependent on the next thrill or the next chill. We don't want to become people who think that somehow or other God doesn't love us or there's something wrong with us if we are not having sensational, thrilling experiences. However, I am convinced that God wants us to be experiencing often repeated fullness. A kind of fullness that is a tasting of the supernatural. A here and now joy of fresh grace and enhanced enablement, a renewed power inwardly that can't be explained except by the presence and power of the Spirit of God within us. God's mighty deeds, brothers and sisters, my friends, God's mighty deeds are not just a thing of the past. God is alive today. He works today. He fills us today. He affects us today. He stirs us today. He gifts us today. He enables us today. He empowers us today. He works through us today. He manifests His presence in us and around us and among us today. He pours out His Spirit on us today. So that his hand and his power and his grace can be evident today, now, here, in our lives. A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about someone I know who was going through a real thinking about someone I know who was going through a really, really hard time and just really facing all kinds of of her Heavenly Father, just, just a sense of release, just a sense of lifting of her spirit. And suddenly out of nowhere, never had this experience before, I, I thought of the gift of tongues. And 
Mind you, the gift of tongues is not for everyone. I've never spoken in tongues. I hope someday I will. Never have. Not for everyone, but it is for some. And it came to mind that many that I've talked to have told me that when they speak in tongues, they often feel an overwhelming sense of release and joy and nearness to the Father. And suddenly I thought that that's the kind of experience, the kind of gift that this person needs, a sense of release, a sense of the nearness of God, a sense of special joy. And then there was this immediate sense, Tim, pray for her that the Holy Spirit would fill her in that way, even though she's never experienced this before. Just pray for her that it would, the Spirit would come. So I began praying that she would receive the gift of tongues. That was early one week. That Saturday, I had a chance to talk with her, told her how I was praying for her, that she would experience the release and the joy of this gift. And after a pause, she said to me, uh, Tim, thank you for praying like that. I need to tell you that on Thursday, as I was in my quiet time with the Lord, I spoke in tongues. And I felt a release and a joy and a nearness to God. What prompted me to think that way and pray that way? What prompted her to experience this language she'd never spoken before, never studied, never learned? I believe both were manifestations of the filling of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, every single Christian has the Holy Spirit of God in his or her life. Every Christian has been born again, how? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has been baptized with or initiated into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, every Christian has the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in his and her life. Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 9, you however are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Every Christian has the Spirit of Christ. Every Christian has been born again indwelt, transformed, sanctified, secured, sealed by the Holy Spirit. But that's not the same thing as being filled with the Spirit. If it was the same thing as being filled with the Spirit, then Paul would not tell us to be filled with the Spirit because we are already filled with the Spirit if it's the same thing. That, did that come out right? Yeah. I'm not sure sometimes how it comes out so, so what is this? Well, let, me, let, me, let me try to, to capture, what we're going to do is take two weeks on this, folks. So next week will be part two. No way I get it in all this week. Uh, let me try to summarize it. What, what's Paul saying here? And then, then we'll ask uh, three or four questions. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? And then what happens when we are filled with the Spirit? And then when can we be filled with the Spirit? And then... How do we become filled with the Spirit? So the first two questions, God willing, maybe this morning. Question, or let me just summarize it first. Here, here's, here's what I think Paul is teaching us here. We should seek, we should seek and expect 
fresh enablings and empowerings of the Spirit. We should seek and expect fresh enablings and empowerings of the Spirit suited for the need of the moment, for the good of others and the praise of God. What I believe Paul is teaching us here. We should seek and expect fresh enablings and empowerment of the Spirit suited for the need of the moment, for the good of others and the praise of God. Whether the need is for worship or for singing or for praise or for prophecy or for a tongue or for witness or for assurance of God's love or for courage or for discernment, or for beauty, whatever the need might be, we should seek fresh enablings and empowerings of the Spirit that are suited for that need of the moment, for the good of others, and to the praise of God. So what the text is teaching us, let me, let me try to guide you to that, okay? Guiding you there, first of all, by asking the questions, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean? Well, let's just start with the language, right? Be filled. Don't be empty. Rather, let the Holy Spirit fill you. If you, if you study out the, the phrase filled with in the New Testament, check out how, wherever it appears. Here's what you, you find phrases like this. Filled with joy. Filled with fear, filled with comfort, filled with peace, filled with hope. What are those phrases all communicating? They're communicating a state of mind and heart and emotion and life in which a certain emotion or power or energy or something is exerting a kind of controlling influencing, shaping, transforming effect. And then notice what Paul says here, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. By drawing that contrast, he's also just hinting at a bit of a similarity. When a person is drunk with wine, they are under the influence of wine. They are controlled by wine. The alcohol or the drugs are shaping their behavior, controlling their choices, or at least strongly influencing their choices. And Paul is saying to us that we are to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We are to be those whose hearts and lives are affected, are changed, are ruled by, influenced by the Holy Spirit. If you, if you want to put it short, you could say being filled with the Spirit is when we speak, serve, or sing with a Spirit-enabled freedom in a Spirit-empowered way. Being filled with the Spirit is when we speak or serve or sing with a Spirit-enabled freedom in a Spirit-empowered way. It's, it's when... We receive a, an influence of the Spirit in, in our lives that affects 
and alters how we worship, how we witness, how we serve. It affects our abilities. It affects our thinking. It affects our singing. It affects our courage. It affects everything. When the Spirit of God comes on us, and as you, as you study it out in the Scripture, it is all important. There's all kinds of misunderstandings about this. So I just, I'm taking the time to be a little careful in explaining this here. When you study it out in Scripture, in my understanding, usually this is, this is a, an episodic thing. It's something that happens in the moment. It's not a constant, all-the-time experience. It's something that happens when a need arises, whew, the Spirit comes. The Spirit comes on us. It's, a, it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's an infusing of the Spirit's grace. It's, a, it's an overflowing of the Spirit's power. It's an inner moving of the Spirit's influence on us, on me, on you, right here, right now, in the need of the moment. What does this moment need? The Spirit of God comes and gives to you what that moment needs. The filling of the Spirit is, I believe, a direct infusion of the Spirit's grace that enables us in the moment to do things that we would not otherwise be able to do with a power and effect that we would not otherwise have. It enables us to do things we'd not otherwise be able to do with a power and with an effect that we would not otherwise have. Now, what happens when this happens? What happens? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is unusual things happen. Extraordinary things happen. Things happen that have a mark of power and grace about them. There are many things that happen. There are some, one of the mistakes people get when they make, when they start thinking about the filling of the Spirit is that they define it just with one effect. So typically, I've often been asked through the years, do you have a Spirit-filled church? What do people mean by that? Does your church speak in tongues? And I'm in an awkward spot there sometimes. Well, I'm not sure what you mean by spirit-filled, but I can always say, honestly, I believe we do, though not everybody speaks in tongues. Now, there are other people who don't believe in tongues, and so they say, well, spirit-filled has nothing to do with tongues. Spirit-filled has to do with preaching, or it has to do with witnessing, or something, something else. That's a mistake. Don't reduce it to just one thing. As you study out the scriptures, you find out that when people are filled with the spirit, all different kinds of things happen. Depending on the need of the moment. In this text right here, three things happen when you are filled with the Spirit. In, verse, in verses 18 through 21, the, the imperative is be filled with the Spirit. And then Paul gives three primary present participles addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What Paul is doing there is saying, I want you to be filled with the Spirit, and when you are, these three things can happen. You can sing to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You can 
praise and thank God in everything, and you can submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Spirit-filling produces singing. And not just singing, singing that glorifies God and edifies others. When we are spirit-filled, something happens to our singing. There is, there is an energy about it, there is a joy about it, there is an effect about it. Paul says, sing to one another, as we have done this morning in the hymn sing, sing to one another about God. And our hearts were stirred. So this means that if your heart is heavy and you're having a hard time singing, this means that if the idea of worship and praise really just fills you with dread or a sense, I, I can't do it, if you want to lift up your name, uh, the name of Jesus in a song in a way that blesses others and serves their faith and praises Christ, then be pray, that you, pray that you'll be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Then he says, giving thanks to God always and for everything. So if, if, if you're somebody who, who is inclined to discontentment and whining and grumbling, if you're one who's more likely to see how bad things are and how bleak things are and how hard life is, if you're one who needs a thankful heart, and if you look at Paul's words, be thankful in everything, you say, in everything, you say, no way, that's not possible. We need a spirit filling right now. <laughs> Try talking. How's that? It working? Be thankful in everything. <laughs> Try to be thankful in it all, in your own strength. You say, I can't do that. You're right, you can't. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Or what about submitting? Here we go. Thanks, Alex. Or what about submitting to others in our lives. Verse, verse 21, submit to one another in the, in the fear or reverence of Christ. Uh, that's not easy either. Paul isn't talking here about all of us submitting to all of us. In, in the context, what he's talking about is submitting to those that are in leadership roles in your life. So wives submit to husband, children obey parents, employees submit to and obey uh, employers, if you're a person like me who has trouble with authority and trouble with leaders and you don't want to follow, you don't want to submit, what you need is a filling of the Spirit. That's what happens when the Spirit fills us. He, he gives us songs to sing. He, he gives us gratitude in our hearts. And He gives us such a reverence for Christ that we become willing to submit to those that are in leadership over us because we know that Christ has put them in leadership over us. But that's not it. If, if we just stopped it, that, that would be great, that would be wonderful, but there's more. Study out, as I have done this past week, study out every time the phrase, the, the uh, 
filled with the Spirit appears in the Bible, and, and your heart will come away rejoicing. Here, let me give these to you rapid fire. Here are ten, yes, ten different ways that the Spirit's filling affects us. And let me, let me introduce each one of these with a question. Do, do you or someone you know, or does your church need skill and grace for creating beauty and art and excellence in a broken and ugly world? Would you say yes? Yes. Well, in Exodus chapter 31 and 3 and 4, we read, God filled Bezalel with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs. I'm grateful we have Spirit-filled people in this church whose artistry in music and design and drawing and painting just stirs the soul. Aren't you glad for beauty? Where does beauty come from? It comes from the beautiful one who sends his beautiful spirit. Often sends it, the spirit even into unbelievers so that even unbelievers can create beautiful things. God just loved beauty that much. Uh, but when those in the church are filled with the spirit, some of them will produce beautiful things. Do you want to speak in a language of praise and prayer that is not your own and experience that I talked about earlier, that everyone I talk to says fills you with joy? Well, Acts chapter 2 says this, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Like I said, this is not for everyone. Paul makes that clear. But it is one of the gifts that Paul says we should earnestly desire in one effect of being filled with the Spirit. So let us seek and expect fresh enablings and empowerings of the Spirit. And maybe he'll give this gift to you or to the person sitting beside you or to the church. Maybe you want to see more of the gift of prophecy. Who, who would not love to see more of the edifying and the comforting and the encouragement of the gift of prophecy? Well, Peter says in Acts chapter 2, that same filling of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He says of the believers, these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Oh Lord, pour out your Spirit on us. And I will pour out my Spirit on your sons and your daughters. Yes, on our children, Lord. And they shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Oh, Lord, Lord, send us fresh enablings and empowerings of the Spirit of God. Fill us. Fill us. How about this? Do, do, do you ever wish that you could stand up in front of unbelievers and just tell it straight? Boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus to a lost and dying and often hostile world. Do you ever just wish, oh, Lord, I just, I just want to 
Someone had the guts, someone had the courage to just tell it straight, proclaim the name of Christ, then seek a filling of the Spirit. For in Acts chapter 4 we read, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, And to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, that's God's right there, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, by the name of Jesus Christ, this man is standing before you well. Do Do you ever find yourself hesitant to proclaim the name of Christ? I do. I find it easy to invite people to church. I invite it easy to talk to people about God. I find it easy to talk about faith. But there are times when actually getting the name of Jesus out is tough. And cowardice sinks in. You want want boldness to proclaim the name of Christ. Well, Peter needed to be filled with the Spirit. I suggest we do as well. Do, Do you... You're feeling fearful in witness, afraid of being laughed at and mocked. Well, then seek the filling of the Spirit. Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. The early Christians prayed, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Brothers and sisters, we live in an increasingly hostile world. We live in a world in which I am convinced in some of our lifetime, maybe in my lifetime, there's going to be jail time for being a Christian. And we're going to need boldness. And that boldness is not going to come because we have the right politician in place, the right president in place, the right whatever in place. The boldness is going to come if we are filled with the Spirit. It's if the Spirit of God is poured out upon us. We need faith to be bold. We only get that faith through the filling of the Spirit. Do you want to serve the church with skill and grace and effectiveness? You ever ever feel like... The responsibilities and the tasks and the duties that you have are bigger than you are. Welcome to my world. (laughs) Live there every day of my life. Every day of my life. A world in which I feel complete inadequacy, desperate inadequacy. But we must seek the filling of the Spirit. Acts chapter 6, the earliest deacons were being chosen And it was necessary, what, that they be full of the Holy Spirit. Because they were being given a task that was a great one and a hard one and a challenging one. And they couldn't do it on their own. Maybe you're in a moment of personal crisis, even life-threatening peril. Seek a filling of the Spirit to give you fresh visions of heaven and an awaiting Savior. Remember Stephen? In Acts chapter 7, he's literally being buried with stones, dying just before his life ends. It says that he is full of the Holy Spirit and he gazes into heaven and he sees the glory of God 
and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. You ever feel like the stones of life are just pummeling you and burying you and you need a fresh vision, just a fresh sighting of the glory and the goodness and the greatness and the wonder of Jesus and a fresh awareness of heaven, and a fresh awareness that he sees and he hears and he knows what you need is a fresh enabling and empowering of the Spirit of God. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And it may happen that that will produce a vision or it just may happen that it will produce an overwhelming sense within the soul that all is right with the world in the sense that God is on his throne. God is still king. God is still great. And God is still good. Do you ever wish that you were a more encouraging person? you ever find yourself being on the critical side of things? Finding fault, finding it more easy to critique than to commend, to find fault, than to affirm? Well, believe it or not, what you need is to be filled with the Spirit. Remember Barnabas? In Acts chapter 11, he came and he saw the grace of God. He saw the grace of God. He was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Why did he see the grace of God? Why was he glad? Why did he exhort and encourage them to be faithful? For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Oh, I want to be an encouraging man. And I know you do too. An encouraging man, woman, young person. Pray for a filling of the Spirit. That the Spirit of God will come upon you. Do, there's, do, you, do you want discernment in the, in the face of error? Well, in Acts chapter 13, we read that Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, was able to look into the eyes of a deceiver and just call him out on his deception. Do you just want more joy and gladness in God? Then you need to be filled with the Spirit. For in Acts chapter 13 we read, the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They go together. So what happens when you're filled with the Spirit? All this and more. Whatever the need of the moment is, the Spirit of God will come and give grace for it. Now obviously this doesn't happen automatically. Or else Paul wouldn't say be filled. Obviously this is something that we need to seek for. Something we need to pray for. Something we need to ask God's grace for. Uh, you'll have to come back next week for that. But for now as we close... My prayer has been that the anticipation of something more would take root in our hearts. Not in a way that makes us ungrateful for what we already have, but in a way that makes us amazed at what we already have and then astonished that a smorgasbord of greater grace and greater power and greater influence, and greater strength, and greater joy 
awaits us. So let us be those who pray. Let's ask and seek and knock. For our God and Father is one who loves to give good gifts to his children. And if you give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? I'm going to ask Alex, he'll come and close us in prayer and asking God to indeed bless us in, in this life.